This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a high fly ball. Right field and deep. Geyer to the wall. Race win! Race win! Race win! D-Man Toy with a two-run walk-off home run. The Rays winning ways here at Tropicana Field continue. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. Bounce towards first and through a base hit right field. He's going to take a turnaround first and try for second. Here comes the throw by Gretchik. He is safe at second base. A hustle double for Kiermaier. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Welcome to our latest show, the last one of the regular season. We sit down today with the longest tenured Ray and Kevin Kiermaier. Arrests Distrada will discuss how the Rays can succeed offensively in the postseason. We'll chat with Fidel Brujan about being in the playoff pool. Jeff McLaren lets us know what's next for some Tampa Bay minor leaguers. And we'll hear from Rays award winners Brandon Lau and Pete Fairbanks. Well, we continue on This Week in Race Baseball, and joining us now as we get to the end of the regular season is the longest-tenured Ray, that being Kevin Kiermeyer. I didn't say oldest. I said longest-tenured. Yes, okay, yes. okay, we certainly appreciate you joining us. What does it mean to be the longest-tenured guy with this group? I'm proud of it. I am. I love this team. I love this organization. I love everyone in it, and I'm glad that, uh, you know, I, I've been around as long as, uh, well, any player, but I'm you know, I know there's some guys on the staff and clubhouse guys, you know, player-wise, you know, been here since 2014 or 13, I guess, technically my debut. And I love it. This, this organization has gave me the world and I feel like I've taken advantage of a lot of opportunities, but it's great to be a part of, you know, it's nice to be considered the old crafty vet of the team since uh, I am the longest tenured. And like I said, I, this is all I know. Ray's drafted me. It's the only team I've been with and it's cool to have that title and you know I've, I've been around I've seen a lot of things and it's fun to compare groups over the years so great question Neil sorry I rambled there a little bit but I uh, I love this team and I love this organization. So where does this year rank to this point for you um, with all the challenges that have occurred? I'll be honest I haven't ranked like what years I've enjoyed over others I truly try to take try to make the best out of each and every year no matter what's going on for you personally, team-wise, whatever. I seriously take everything year to year because it's always going to be a new roster, just a new demeanor, maybe in the same sense. Um, always have the same goals and you know, always trying to top what you did the year prior from a, a team standpoint. But it, it's just, I said in spring that we're going to sit here and make this the best year we can. We're, we're going to have excuses given with all the pandemic stuff going on where I'm like, you know, we got this short summer camp three weeks. Like, I know how baseball players are. There's going to be a lot of excuses saying this and that. We've heard some of those floating around. And and it's hard not to ignore that it has been very difficult with what we've had to go up against. But I'll say this. I'm so proud of of our team, how we've handled everything top to bottom, front office, coaching staff, players, and then all the other 
personnel involved with our organization. We've all been on the same page. We, we know how committed we've been from day one, starting, you know, summer camp once again and, and realizing how good our team is and what we can accomplish. And that's always been goal number one each and every day. So it makes this year very unique compared to others just with all we have. But it has been one of an easier year to show up to the field each and every day in a in a better mood and winning winning comes with them we've won at eclipse so far this year more than any other team i've been a part of so that's always going to make things a lot better and a lot more um enjoyable we've made the best of 2020 so far and we uh you know just write our own little book individually uh just because all of us are taking this crazy year in and, and we plan on adding more chapters to our books and then some and hopefully have that nice uh Fairy tale ending. I think we're all hoping for that. For you, is it a success already, or is it only a success if you get to a certain point in the postseason? How do you define success for this group? It has been a success so far. We, and I'll say that because we definitely are, we know we have a lot more that we uh, want to accomplish, but it, it's hard to not be proud of what we've done up until this point, being one of the best teams in all of baseball. We're right there. So we, you have to be proud of that. We've, uh, you know, been firing on all cylinders for the most part the whole year. And, uh, you know, we're just trying to play our best baseball moving forward. So we'll, we'll take that anytime we can get it. How has your body held up? Because I think a lot of people were wondering when you don't play from March until summer camp in actual games, how your body would respond. For you personally, what's it been like? Been a struggle at times. Just one of those things. Uh, I always like to sit here and think I take great care of my body and, and what more can I do to try to prepare my body for the long season ahead. And then, you know, we had the, the long layoff and now the workout equipment that, you know, we use to help build stamina, strength in our muscles. Um, we don't really have those things available. So it, it's been, uh, has it been easy? And I think I'm speaking for each and every one of us. The whole year has been very injury plagued throughout the whole league and that's not on accident it, it, it's tough and you know we we put our bodies through a lot and you know me personally I only know one speed I, I take a lot of pride in how I do everything but we're all dealing with stuff so I'm not going to sit here and have a pity party or anything. I don't I don't want that none of us do it's just you know that in this game we're going to take a lot of bumps and bruises in the travel and every you know getting late at night doesn't work in our body's favor but it's just living to see another day and hopefully um just maintaining whatever way possible to stay on the field each and every day how helpful have kevin cash and the co and the uh the training staff though been in i mean they've look they've had a lot to deal with for yeah for every guy here you know kev does a really good job of playing everybody so there's going to be a lot of times where we get our days off and a lot of times that might be matchup purposes but you know, it's one of those things where uh, they try to keep all of us fresh and, you know, get us off our feet whenever they can. And then our trainers working their butts off to try to keep us uh, feeling as, as good as possible as well. Those guys are the unsung heroes of our teams because there's a lot of guys filtering in and out of that training room often. But like I said, we're all trying to just do what we can to get ready for each and every game and feel as close to 100% as possible, even though that's not very realistic. But I, I tip our hat my hat to our trainers and Kev and how they produce the lineup each and every day because they play everyone to, to get opportunities. And it also, uh, we're trying to keep the body fresh as possible heading into the playoffs. 
What's been the greatest challenge for you personally? The physical side, the mental side, the lack of fans? What's been, I, you guys have overcome everything and, and yeah. performed, but what's been hardest? I think, honestly, playing with less adrenaline. And it's not like we're um, less excited about the games or anything. It's just when you walk into a, a ballpark each and every night with fans, it's just there's something about the energy that, that lifts you, whether you're at home or on the road, that's what we know. And I think playing without that adrenaline, like, you know, if you hit a, a ball in the gap or something, you're going to, you know, my adrenaline's going to start pumping. But I, to have that throughout the whole game, and there are times where it's just like, wow, this is this is hard to fathom right now. But that adrenaline will, you know, sit here and make aches and pains feel a little, you, you'll feel them a little less, I promise you. You'll forget about them. And then once that adrenaline wears down, you start feeling them again. I think that's part of the reason why our bodies throughout the league guys aren't feeling their best right now just because I'm telling you it, it just I think it's a scientific fact it just releases something in your brain to make you feel good and you know just get that that energy level that you need and we have that um, each and every night but it, it's definitely not as much as what it was before you know being able to hit a home run like I did last year in game three I didn't feel my feet hitting the ground and and now if you know that same situation happens I'm probably gonna be in the moment a lot more, I guess you could say, just because it has been a total new dynamic, but we're used to it. We know what we need to do to get ready each and every day, and every team is dealing with the same stuff. So uh, it's an even playing field as far as that goes. Since you mentioned a pretty cool moment, what has been or what have been your most enjoyable moments in your in your career with yeah. the Rays and why? Um, I have a ton, but I, I have to go off the ones that stick out off the top of my head. My debut, game 163, and then Playing the wild card game, first two days in the big leagues, popping champagne. That'll be a moment I'll never forget. So that's always up there. Robin, uh, that homer off Machado was a solidifying play of platinum glove season. Something that, looking back on, probably never would have imagined anything like that. Or again, the recognition that I did for the first time in my life about anything that, um, I, I don't know, just a prestigious award, I guess. So that was uh, incredible. Making the playoffs last year and just the group of guys we had stuck out so much and just having the absolute time of my life even after not having the greatest year personally but it that you know it's not about that it's about the team and I always live vicariously through my teammates and uh hitting that home run game three and then the relay game four will be way up there in my career but um you know those are just a few that that stick out to me those memories will will last a lifetime and I enjoy looking back on those and trying to relive them as best as I can from a team standpoint, what did New York and the way the team responded this year mean to you? I'd like to say I'm surprised, but um, I, I know what this group's about. We've been about always having each other's backs and, you know, just trying to uh, solidify ourselves that, you know, we're not to be messed around with in many different ways. And we're also doing that. But, you know, there's just some things that happen in baseball that it's just hard to hard to explain how the timing just adds up on certain things. And, you know, he gets one-on-one -on -one thrown behind his head night before, next day, Homer, and he let him know that that felt good. And then he hits a Homer late in the game. Uh, things like that lift the team and they do crazy things for us. And that, that propelled us. And it's something I don't think we're going to forget for a long time. And I hope, uh, you know, we can have more of those great moments to come, but it just shows our, we're, we're close with each other. We, we care and little things like that just build camaraderie and we have a lot of that. And if, uh, you know, we can add to that, that's just, that's a great thing for our team. And 
like I said, a true joy to be a part of, Neil. It really is. You guys obviously are a family. Your family is growing too. Congratulations. Thank what you. does it Thank mean you. that Thank you're going to be a, a dad now of two? Yeah, it means the world to me. I'm excited. Marissa is as well. Little little baby boy coming again. So we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I think we're just eager to see his personality, his looks compared to his older, crazier brother, Carter. <laughs> you know, everyone's good. Everyone's happy, healthy. They're adapting to this situation just as, you know, the players are, we are. And, um, you know, everyone's still rooting us on. And it, it's a lot of fun. So uh, I'm in the position of a lifetime with a great wife, great kid, another one on the way. I couldn't ask for anything more besides to make a nice little run in these playoffs with my boys and, uh, you know, in this year the way uh, we envision. That certainly would be great. Uh, and I think we're all hoping for a vaccine soon and treatment soon yeah. for this virus. When things return, and let's say that comes back, what is the what is the one thing or two things that you miss the most that you're like, man, I need to do this once we're able to get back to normal see. I'm definitely going to hope that at some point in the off season that the gym that I go to doesn't have to like have designated gym times because anytime I get a chance 30 minutes to an hour I want to go shoot hoops and get a good cardio session and I don't want to have to have a designated time slot so I'm really banking on that and just line it up from three off seat all off season like I usually do shoot about 64% from behind the arc but uh, who's counting and then other than that I don't know I don't do a whole lot anyways but I think for my wife's sake I think she wants to see them all open up again and have some retail therapy, especially being pregnant, you know, not feeling great the first trimester. I think she'd love to see things open up so she could go buy some fall candles or what girls do. So happy wife, happy life. So I need her sanity to be back as, as soon as possible as well. Uh, hopefully when life goes back to normal. I get that. Will, will Marissa and Carter be with you in the bubble? Have, has that been decided? Yeah, they'll, they'll be out there. So, you know, we got to get through the season, get through you know, the first round, whoever that may be. And then, you know, in a perfect world, we, we do just that and head out west. And I think we're all just going to play it by ear. We, we kind of have somewhat of an idea, but I got a five-hour pin ride with my little wild and crazy hyper son out to California, hopefully. So I got to sit here and think how I got to manage that situation with a, with a pregnant wife who's not going to want to sit here and do a whole lot. So We'll see, though, but we got we got to win ball games first before that happens, Neil, so I can answer that question later on. Well, let's hope that magical run is there and that uh, a very long run in the postseason is in the yes. future. Yes, I like the sound of that. Well, we appreciate some time. We, uh, we hope for that kind of success, and we appreciate you being with us on this week in Rays Baseball. All right. Thanks for having me, Neil. Always a pleasure. You got it. That's Kevin Kiermeyer. More after this on the Rays Baseball Network. Well, we continue on this week in Rays Baseball, and joining us now from Fox Sports Sun to talk about a division championship team this year as the rest is Destrada. Oh, thanks very much for joining us. What to you does this division title mean? Well, you know, what it means to me, uh, Neil, is that they persevered. First of all, well, merely number one, what it means is that this is a very talented team. So uh, this is a team that has an incredible amount of depth, uh, obviously, in their pitching staff because they've had most of their injuries being via the pitching staff, and they've been able to overcome so much through that. Now, recently, you've had injuries to the infield and outfield, and you're overcoming that, too. Three of your main starters are out in Meadows, Troy, uh, and obviously, John Diaz, and you're, you know, supplementing them and finding the next men up uh, so nicely. So the depth and the talent 
is really number one in why they've won this. So they prepared themselves in the last couple of years for this type of scenario. And sure enough, here it is. And they fulfilled it. The second thing is the camaraderie that this team seems to, to just show and have as far as the Rays way. And, and it seems anytime they, you know, a new player comes in, even if it's a veteran, definitely the young guys, because they kind of, the young guys tend to follow that more so than, than an older player. But even the older players come in here and there's something about the aura of this team. And, and, and I'm going to give props to Joe Madden from way back, you know, of adding that. But then obviously it's been the, the staff and, and what uh, manager Cash has done, who, by the way, should be manager of the year, hands down. I won't argue that uh, in the slightest. <laughs> I think all of us feel the same way. I mean, they've had 16 right. different players that they've been without at some point in time, and 11 of them are currently sidelined. You know, as sure. you look at this team in the playoffs, though, are you at all concerned about the strikeout? And the fact that the offense, without Diaz, without Choi, without Meadows, has really struck out a lot lately. I know they had a big game Thursday offensively, but do the Ks worry you? You know, what worries me more is how they're doing with situational hitting. You know, the strikeouts are, are you know, uh, really they're astronomical, especially in September. They're more than the normal sabermetrics amount that they usually, you know, are accounted for. But I will say that, unfortunately, their situational hitting really has been lacking quite a bit. You have, you know, scenarios where you have a man on third, or maybe you can even move a runner over, and here comes a strikeout. And it, sometimes that is not a bad out, because, you know, one of the things you don't want is double plays. But uh, you want to put the ball in play positively. Now, there's a lot of young hitters, including the Azza, you know, Arozarena, uh, you know, some of these young guys that are just big free swingers. And I kind of allude, you know, the strikeouts or, or allocate the strikeouts to that. But uh, they got to start hitting the ball middle of the of the field and do a better job because they're one of the more on-base percentage type teams. They're getting a lot of players on base, but they're not driving them in. It's, it's ironic, but we just faced a Mets team that was is kind of gone through that struggle themselves. You know, they, they get on base like crazy, but they're not driving in enough runs. So recently it's been a problem. I'm not worried about the strikeouts. I'm worried about what you do with your productive outs, sacrifice flies, hitting the ball up the middle, a ground out. We saw it in the game just a, a few days ago where Brandon Lau, you know, against the Mets, is able to hit a ground ball to the right of the, of the first baseman. Alonzo scores a run, uh, which, by the way, uh, it brings me to the, 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 what Manuel Margot has meant to this team in the last month or so. Uh, what a catalyst and what a secret weapon. And as a team, they've stolen a lot of bases, which if yes. you can get on base enough, can help you manufacture runs, which is, you know, in the playoffs, you got to score runs in many different ways. Yeah, and here's the thing. You know, as much as I, I accept and have become, to some degree, a believer in the sabermetrics, you know, especially, no doubt, as far as how you position your defense, it's definitely it been an incredible tool because how they, you know, follow where a player really hits the ball by computer. But here's the thing, you know, I, I really feel like there, there's some aspects of it that they need to just kind of, you know, be a little better with and take advantage of bunting, uh, take advantage of a hit and run here and there. And it happens in the postseason. Throughout the whole 162, obviously this is a truncated season, but all of a sudden you get to the postseason, everybody's trying to bunt, and everybody's trying to do the small ball stuff. And, and what happens is a lot of teams don't do it very well and it hurts them in the postseason because they haven't been doing it. So I am happy that we do have a Margot who really knows how to handle the bat very well. Believe it or not, a guy like Phillips can maybe pop in and do some of that small ball and definitely runs first to third, second to home, 
extremely well. And uh, we didn't, we really didn't have those guys that much last year other than Kiermaier. So uh, we're more dynamic with Wendell, KK, uh, Margot, and Rosarena. The speed factor in the playoffs is going to, I think you're going to see it more this year. What would it mean, though, if they got a Yandy Diaz back? I know he may be limited if he does, but even if he's able to DH and get you some at-bats there. I think what he means is beyond so much about scoring, but more kind of like, uh, you know, such a quality hitter that frustrates a lot of the pitchers. So remember, he has long at-bats. He walks. He really works pitchers. So when you stick him in that three, four, you know, in that area there, he really helps the hitters around him. And you'd be surprised what a difference is when somebody's getting an extra eight or 10 or 12 pitches out of one particular hitter because of the fact that he's stretching and he's making these pitchers and he fouls balls off. It actually extends and makes gets them out of the game quicker because they've got a higher pitch count. So I don't think he's going to come in here and, and, and after an injury, if he does get in there, I'm not expecting the two homers, you know, in the first game against Oakland last year that it, like he did. That was that was incredible and unexpected. But I, I do like the fact that he that he makes the, the lineup and people feed off the fact that he's such a talented hitter when it comes to working account. And certainly his his uh, return, if he is to, would help a whole lot because these best of three series, no matter whether you're the one seed, the two seed, they're really a crapshoot in that small a time period. It is. I am so happy that they did go to the two or three. I mean, think about it. You and I both, you know, talked about this. You know, the one game is just so almost seemingly unfair for the game of baseball, not for football, which is kind of made up for, for one game type bat battles, almost like a boxing or an MMA. Yeah, yeah. One time you go at it because you prepare for it for so long. This is a little different. And, you know, you it's very more tactical. So this is a situation where you can at least extend a little better for the two or three. But, hey, look at a situation that if we're facing the Tribe, who has dramatic, you know, pitching, two games, could they can snap you in two games very quickly. And I don't want to know if I want to see their pitching against our hitting compared to our pitching against their hitting. I trust our pitching explicitly. Right now, I don't know if our, if our hitting can take on a pitchers that they haven't been seeing. Because remember, the advantage when you get into the playoffs is going to be familiarity. So if you haven't seen the other teams, advantage pitchers. If you have, it should be advantage hitters. So uh, it, it'll be an interesting playoff. Well, in the case, of, if you face Toronto, you haven't seen Taiwan Walker this year. True. Uh, if Robbie Ray pitches Robbie out Ray. of the bullpen and doesn't start, Ross Stripling, those are guys who, who the race may know a little bit, but they really haven't seen this year. I think it's a great point, Neil, because – and I think it's kind of one of their secret weapons that they're planning to throw in the playoffs and use a lot, obviously, to get to the playoffs. That's why they acquired these guys. But also, now all of a sudden, you know, you're not seeing the same arms. And believe it or not, that it's a, it's a big difference. One of the, the attributes of, of, for a hitter this year was a second 30 games, I felt – they started to get more and more comfortable because they were facing the same pitching again. And all of a sudden, you know, you, you start even, you know, beating the Coles and the Tanakas because you've seen them so many times, I mean, within days almost. So that's going to play a role. That's one of the things that our bullpen has helped us here because of the diversity of our bullpen. When we're using guys for an inning here and an inning there, 
you still keep it pretty fresh. A lot of different looks, sidearm lefty, sidearm righty, up over the top, curveballer, fastballer, that you're really frustrating hitters in that sixth, seventh, eighth, you know, and ninth innings. Well, let's hope that continues and uh, the <laughs> postseason run is as successful as We're the ready, regular baby. season has been. We're ready. I got my hat, and I, and I want to add to this collection with uh, AL uh, champions, and they go right out to the World Series. But first things first, you know, it, it's getting through this weekend uh, versus the Phillies, and then obviously uh, what's going to be a very tough, you know, round one, best of three. But at least it's at home, and you have home field advantage. I think that's huge. Well, we turn now to one of the players in the playoff pool. That is Vidal Brujan, and joining him is Lenore Sutton. Thanks to both of you for joining us. Vidal, congratulations on being part of the playoff pool. Tell me, what did uh, you learn by playing on the taxi squad? ¿Qué aprendiste jugando en el taxi squad? Oh. Play hard every day. Uh, in the focus, you know, uh, a lot of... A lot of energy, a lot of workout, a lot of new people. It's pretty good. How did the experience help you improve? Como te ayudo esa experiencia a mejorar? I think so the, the experience. I like that. I like that because, you know, the new thing, new thing. New guys, es una una experiencia buena también y qué le digo, eso me ayudó bastante. It was a good experience too, and it's helped him quite a bit. ¿Cómo? How? Ah, uh, mentalmente, físicamente también, positivo, siempre tener la cabeza positivo, malo, lo coach. Mentally and physically, and he's always maintaining a positive mentality. What was the best part of the experience and why? ¿Cuál era la mejor parte de su experiencia y por qué? La mejor parte de mi experiencia fue eh, compartir con loco de, de AA y, y de AAA. Y la mayor experiencia que tuve fue que pude aprender muchas cosas en el Taxi Squad y estoy aprendiendo todavía de todo. He said that he liked having the opportunity to spend time with the double-A guys and the triple-A guys. Um, you know, he learned a lot from being with them, and he's still learning even now. Uh, and how did the experience help you in Port Charlotte? ¿Cómo te ayudó la experiencia con los Rays en Port Charlotte? Me ayudó bastante. Me, me, me ayudó, no, me está ayudando todavía porque estoy aprendiendo a compartir con los muchachos de Grande Liga, que no se da esa oportunidad mucho, pero... Gracias a Dios, sí, y eso me ayudó bastante porque no compartía mucho con esa persona. Sí. It helped him. It's still helping him. Um, you know, he's still, he's still learning. He's still going through the process, but it's given him the opportunity to spend time with big league players because that's something he doesn't have much of an opportunity to do. So, you know, he's learning through that experience right now. So tell me what positions you played. ¿Qué posiciones jugaste? Third base, second outfielder. And what was the most difficult and why? ¿Qué era lo más difícil y por qué? For me, I don't think so. What position me play, you know? Me gusta todo y eso digo que lo más difícil para mí fue un poco fue en el outfielder. 
que no estoy acostumbrado todavía. Y estoy ya, estoy bien, gracias a Dios. He said he loves playing all the positions. Um, you know, he loves being everywhere on the field, but the most challenging for him has been the outfield. That's still pretty new for him. Did Araza Reina help you? Uh, Araza Reina te, te ayudó? Yeah, <laughs> bastante me ayudó Araza Reina. Diciéndome para dónde cojo, qué hago, cómo está uh, he said, yeah, of course, Aros Arena helped him tremendously. Um, you know, he's a, good, he's a good friend and a good teammate, but he, he told him, you know, where to go, um, you know, how to, how to um, do different things. So he was, you know, telling him all kinds of things, just a great teammate. Good to hear. How will the experience help you in the future? ¿Cómo te ayudará? La experiencia en el futuro. Uf, esa experiencia que estoy cogiendo ahora me ayudará bastante. Tanto que ya no voy a ser el mismo jugador, ya voy a ser un jugador con mayor calibre. Un jugador que ya mucha gente me va a tomar como un líder. Y eso, me, eso me, me, lo que estoy haciendo ahora me... He's saying that the, what he's doing now is going to help him to become a good leader. It's, you know, helping him to become a higher caliber player as well. So, you know, these experiences are helping him to just really move forward in this game. What is the significance of being in the playoff pool? ¿Cuál es la importancia de estar en el playoff pool? Tengo que mantenerme ready realmente por cualquier cosa que me... Me puedo necesitar, tengo que seguir trabajando, enfocado. Eso, eso son experiencias bonitas. Son cosas que en realidad mucha gente quisiera estar en esta posición, ¿me entiendes? Pero eso es lo que hay que aprovechar, trabajar fuerte, enfocarse y disfrutar, disfrutar el juego. So he's, he has to maintain, he has to stay ready, you know, be ready for everything. But, you know, it's a beautiful experience for him. He has to maintain his focus and really just be ready to do it. I know this experience is very, very different. How difficult is it? Esta experiencia durante el coronavirus es muy diferente. ¿Qué tan difícil es? Esto, esto sorprendió a todo el coronavirus. Esto, en realidad, uno no se esperaba esto. Eh, esta experiencia, yo espero que no vuelva, porque en realidad es una experiencia bastante grande. Tanto andar con la mascarilla, hasta uno juega con eso. Uno... Hace cosas que en realidad uno no está acostumbrado a eso y es muy diferente a, lo, a los otros años. Y a veces es incómodo que tú con esa mascarilla y tú piensas, uno se duerme y piensa que está con la mascarilla. He said that, uh, you know, this thing, it surprised everyone um, and he really hopes that it never happens again. You know, he's using his mask, although he's not playing with it. But, you know, you just, you, it's hard to get used to. He's just not used to it. You know, he dreams about it. He falls asleep and he thinks he has his mask on and he doesn't. So, you know, it's, it's, it's different. Ronaldo Hernandez told me he was your roommate and he cooked for you. How is his cooking? Ronaldo me dijo que era tu compañero de cuarto y que el cocino para ti. ¿Cómo son tus, uh, sus habilidades de cocinar? Ronaldo cocina bien, cocina bueno. Eh, Ronaldo es mi mejor amigo, compañero, ¿me entiendes? Compañero de equipo y cuando estamos fuera de... El entrenamiento también a mi compañero. Ronaldo es una persona buena, ¿me entiendes? Una persona que 
se ha ganado mi confianza y no, Ronaldo es, es un muchacho que sabe lo que hace cuando está en la cocina. <laughs> um, he said that Ronaldo, you know, he's a good cook. He's his best friend, uh, best teammate. He's just a good person all around and he trusts him and he knows his way around the kitchen. So what's uh, what's a favorite dish he makes? ¿Qué es tu favorito uh, comida que, que Ronaldo cocino? Uh, arroz con salchicha. <laughs> Rice and sausage. Okay. And how how excited are you to see the playoffs? ¿Estás emocionado de ver los playoffs? Sí, sí. Quiero verlo. Quiero que los muchachos ganen. Quiero que Tampa ganen. Quiero ver esos momentos que son bonitos. He said, yeah, you know, I want our guys to win. Um, you know, I want us to experience that. I want us to have that beautiful moment. Well, thank you for the time. I certainly hope you enjoy all of it. Gracias por el tiempo y espero que disfrutes los playoffs, mi amigo. Gracias, gracias a usted. Bendiciones. Thank you, teacher. Thank you, Brujan. Bendiciones a ti también. And that is Vidal Brujan with Lenora Sutton. We appreciate both of their time. Coming up, Jeff McLaren on the Rays minor league system, plus award winners Brandon Lau and Pete Fairbanks. This is Neil Solons, and you're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. Well, we continue on This Week in Rays Baseball, and joining us now to talk on the minor league side is the head of minor league operations and Jeff McLaren. And Jeff, let's start with those guys who have finished now uh, because they are not part of the playoff pool but they did participate the last couple months. How much growth did you see from those players and how important was that development time? I think it was incredibly important, Neil. Uh, it, you know, first off, thanks for having me on the show and getting a chance to talk about the, what, what's happened at the ATS this summer. It's kind of been something that's been in the shadows with, with no box scores or highlights or, or anything. And so it's, it, I'm glad that we get a chance to, to talk about the good work that's been done down there. You know, in a year like this, it, it would be very easy for those guys who aren't playing in games to kind of flatline, plateau, or even go backwards. But from talking to our staff that's been working down there every day since since July, they've felt like all the players that have come through the ATS have gotten better in some way this year. And that's a testament to them. It's not the easiest environment. You're having to play the same same group of guys every day. You don't see a different, different uniform. It's all inter-squad. Sometimes there's not even enough players to fill out a full game. But the players themselves, they, they took it seriously. They did what they could to get better and made the most of it. Normally at the end of the minor league season, I'm asking you who were your most valuable players who showed the most growth. Of those players that did participate, either on the 40-man and with the playoff pool or not, who do you think did show the most growth? Who, who are those guys? You know, it, it's tough to you know single out any individual because I think we did have a lot of positive success stories there. You know, Taylor Walls had a really good year offensively uh, down there and showed, showed that, uh, you know, turned some heads. And, you know, he's, he's always been a guy that we've thought of real highly defensively. But given, given what he did at the plate against some of our better arms down there, started to make some believers that he's a, he's a potential everyday big league shortstop down the road. You know, Josh Lowe coming off the injury late last year in Arizona, came into spring training, kind of still on the rehab track, was able to really take advantage of, of this time there. Um, and continue to, to grow and develop. Um, I think our three young pitchers that were, were at the ATS from the get-go really improved and got to learn from some of the veterans there, those being Shane McClanahan, Shane Boz, and Joe Ryan. You know, it, was, it was important for us to, to build some innings on them for next year, and obviously Shane did enough to get himself into the, the postseason pool, and we're real excited about the, the progress that he made during the year. 
But I think up and down the line, you know, Ronaldo Hernandez, Vidal Brujan, Wander Franco, again, all those guys that, that started from, from July really made strides throughout, throughout the season. And additionally, those guys that, that joined the pool throughout the year, I think, benefited from getting into that environment, even if it was for a short time. I have seen some players post that they're going to be part of an instructional league. So what is it going to look like? How many guys are you bringing in? And what types of things can you do with them? So yes, earlier this month, MLB relaxed some of the restrictions on what we're able to do with the rest of our group that wasn't involved at the ATS now that those alternate sites are being shut down. And so we're going to do take advantage of that as best we can. Uh, we're going to bring a group of 50 players down to Port Charlotte starting next week and going to run you know, an instructional league as best we can. It's going to be very different than past years. And you know, health and safety is going to be the, a primary focus for us, not, not only you know, with, with the virus protocols, but also understanding that this has been a very unusual year for, for all players. And you know, we saw some of the injuries as the big league group started back up, not just with us, but across baseball. So really making a focus that we you know, do things properly, conservatively, um, we're not going to make up for the ne- for the five months of the season in these next five weeks, but rather get a chance to to get guys properly up to game intensity and assess where they're at, so that we can make kind of proper decisions and proper plans in place for the off season, so that everybody comes into to 2021 in a, in a good spot. And some of the guys who were at the ATS that joined late will still be part of this group. Yes. So some of the guys like uh, Seth Johnson, Ford Proctor, Greg Jones, Xavier Edwards as well as our two recent uh, trade additions, Pedro Martinez and, and Michael Gigliotti, um, are all going to continue on um, into instructional league. You know, I think they, they only got about a month work at the ATS at, at best, and so felt like it was, it was good for them to kind of continue that progress, continue to work on some things, as well as they'll be, you know, good leaders for the rest of the group as they've had, you know, a month's worth of reps with all the different protocols and understanding what needs to be done to, to keep a safe environment while we're still developing. Will there be games played against other teams or is the plan to just have everything intra-squad? What's the thought there? That's still kind of up in the air. You know, we've been in contact with a lot of the teams that are, that are in our area to understand what they're doing. Right now, everybody's wants to get a handle on, you know, what kind of shape their players are in. Um, we will definitely have build up to inter-squad games for, cert, for sure. And depending on, you know, how our pitchers do and, and how much, how many innings we have available, we'll look to get them some competition against, uh, against a different uniform, but that'll kind of remain to be seen and kind of play it by ear as we go through the month. You guys have such a talented overall system, and I'm sure it hurts to not see a lot of these guys get that development time. Who are some other guys that are going to be part of this 50-man um, instructional league for five weeks that you think are important to highlight? Um, I could really run down all, all 50 names, or I guess all, all 43 names that I haven't, haven't brought up so far. But, you know, I think we're most excited about some of our, our younger pitchers and some of the new draftees that we'll get to see for the first time. All of them will be making an appearance in Instructional League, um, whether they actually get built up into games or not. But getting a chance to, to lay eye, have our pitching guys lay eyes on Nick Bitsko and Hunter Barnhart and Ian Seymour and Jeff Hackinson for the first time, allowing our hitting coaches to and infield coaches to work with Tanner Murray and uh, Lika Williams, all that's going to be exciting. We're going to have a few guys that coming back from injury that you know have missed missed all of 2019 and now miss all of 2020. So getting to see some of them, like a Michael Mercado, Austin Franklin, Drew Strotman, getting to see them you know build back up and be healthy 
is, is exciting. We were really looking forward to seeing what they could do this year. Now we get a chance to at least do a little bit of stuff here uh, in the month of October. And how many staff are you allowed to put in a position like this? And how do you spread all that out? Yeah, I mean, that was it, as difficult as the decisions were to cut down to 50 players. How we had to, to choose staff was equally um, difficult. We wish that we could have everybody involved, but trying to do best by listening to our health experts on how many people we can have in one place at one time and have to kind of really limit that the number. And so similar to what happened at the alternate training site, you know, our staff is, is pretty limited to kind of the minimum that we need to address 50 players. And so we're, we're trying to do as much as we can to spread the group around, make, doing some splitting time with some guys coming in halfway through, but still trying to stay safe as well with people doing the proper testing and, and things to, uh, keep the group going. You know, we're touching on development time. Will any guys be able to play any sort of winter ball at all? We're still hopeful that that winter ball leagues will be open and we'll have some spots for our guys. We're, we're monitoring everything that's happening uh, with the Caribbean leagues as well as uh, over in Australia to make sure that the environments are safe and a good place for, for development to happen. Right now, we, we anticipate that import spots are going to be uh, given that they're, they're somewhat limited and how many imports they can bring in and, and lots of people are looking for for development time for their players but we're trying to use our connections and try to you know put our players in a good light so that they'll be the ones chosen for those spots and I guess the challenge is for the people who don't get selected into any of these types of programs be it the instructional league or we're in the summer camp how do you stay keep tabs on them because some of those guys could evolve too you know in a big way Absolutely. It, you know, especially as deep as our system is, there were some really challenging decisions to be made on who got to come to Instructional League, who we prioritize for winter ball spots, and, and there are good players that fall below that line. And um, our coaching staff has done a phenomenal job over the course of the summer connecting with each of the players, be it with Zoom or with FaceTime, and being able to actually watch them throw a bullpen session or do things in the, in the cage. Some of that stuff will, will certainly continue throughout the offseason. You know, we're going to shift back into a little bit more of an offseason mode here soon in, as we get into October, November, December, allow the players to get a little bit of physical and mental break. Uh, but then we're going to you know, ramp it up as we get closer to, to spring training of 2021 and have our coaches you know, with some of the skills that we've learned over this year be a little bit more involved in that ramp up remotely by doing those things online. And, and I think that those things that we learned this year will will come into play even after we're able to get back to a little more normal cadence. Well, we certainly hope for normalcy in the future. Jeff, we appreciate some time and uh, good luck with the Instructional League. Thanks very much, Neil. Appreciate it. Really good stuff from Jeff McLaren on the Rays minor league system. Now, earlier on the show, we heard from Kevin Kiermeyer. KK yesterday was named the Paul C. Smith Champion Award by the Tampa Bay uh, BBWAA chapter. That's a local writers here in the Tampa Bay area. Brandon Lau was named the Don Zimmer team MVP, and he did a lot of virtual reality work in the offseason to improve against left-handed pitching. So we, we got it uh, in my agency back home. You know, we have a building to work out in, and, you know, that was one of the things that they were pretty big on there. Like, make, make sure you get in there and uh, do your reps, and no one really wanted to, but <laughs> did it, and uh, it's, it's paying off. Brandon, congratulations. Is the award any more meaningful because of the complications of the season than it would be, even though it's a shorter year, there probably was more that went into it than any other season you've had to play? I mean, I look at the same, you know, it's, this was a full season and I think uh, 
you know, just because it wasn't 162 doesn't change any kind of award type of things. You know, I, th- I think uh, if anything, it, it shows, you know, how difficult the game was. You know, we, we battled through a lot of injuries. So it was nice to, you know, still be in this position that we're in. You mentioned the growth off of lefties this year and being able to play every day. But are there other areas that you're proud of in terms of the growth you took from last year to this year? And if so, where? Really everywhere. I, I don't think uh, there's one guy that can go out there and say that, you know, I'm done getting better. I'm as good as I can ever be. So whether it was honestly just understanding my swing more so, you know, slumps don't last a month or, you know, understanding where I need to be in the field or making sure that I'm stronger so, you know, I don't get get hurt like I did last year and that kind of stuff. You know, it's just as a whole, I just want to bring my game up each year. And how uh, much did last year, you know, losing in Houston kind of motivate you and this group for what's to come? And I, I know this is kind of part of the journey for you guys. I th- it, it definitely lit a fire uh, under everybody that was there. And then everybody that kept traded over immediately grasped that fire. You know, they were right there with us the whole time. And it, it, it really showed us that, you know, we belong. It wasn't something that, you know, we got in there and the Astros put up 15 in three games and we lost in three games. You know, we gave them a tough series, one wild card game. We, you know, we belong in the postseason. And, you know, that I think that did a lot for us to understand that we should be in the postseason and we can go a lot farther. You mentioned the, um, the, the team and this is, you know, an award for your teammates. The moment in New York with, with Mike Grosso, what did that mean to you? And how do you think it helped you and your teammates grow closer and better? With I'm assuming you're going for the the Chapman incident. Uh, I mean, I immediately I, I don't know that I've been as angry as that on a baseball field before. You know, um, throwing 100 is definitely a weapon at that point, and going at a person's head, especially a guy like Mike, who nothing has been given to him in his entire life. Man, he's worked his absolute butt off to get to where he is and to be as great as a ball player as he is right now, and the next day, you you could have told me that I was I would hit a walk off home run and I wouldn't have changed it, the script at all. You know I wanted Mikey to go out there and I wanted him to hit, wanted him to hit eight home runs. But uh, the two that he got were, I mean, it was a storybook. I mean, it was awesome. It certainly was, and Brandon Lau has been awesome too. Brandon certainly worthy of team MVP honors, a club best. 14 homers in 36 runs batted in. Certainly, Pete Fairbanks has been a standout, too, and by the local writers, the BBWAA chapter, he was named the team's top rookie. Definitely a lot of my success and all of our success comes from Kyle and Stan. You know, I think that they do a fantastic job, probably the best one-two guys in the league, I would say. And then just that, knowing that you have them in your corner and you know that they're on board with that, whatever tweets you think you need to make or adjustments that have to go on the fly throughout the year just um yeah I would say those two are having those two guys in the corner is probably the biggest thing for I would say a lot of our success this year and then you know just physically I was able I was very fortunate during the the lockdown to have access to a gym and a place to throw my bullpens and some hitters and so I think that just coming in prepared uh, I'm just very thankful for the opportunities that I had over that to you know not feel like I was behind when I showed up to summer camp. Hey, congratulations. For you, does this award mean a little bit more just because of all that you guys have had to deal with in this very unique year? I don't know. I hadn't thought about it in that context yet. I would say it, it is what it is. I think that this year had its circumstances and we're all adjusted to them at this point. So uh, it, 
to me, it's just, it's, um, it's a heck of an accomplishment, something I did not expect in any way. So I don't think that there's any, you know, delineation on it between it being a, a longer season or this really weird Frankenstein 60 game thing that we played. You mentioned at the beginning, though, you were at a slightly higher risk than others. How safe have you felt during all this and how challenging has it been to kind of get through it? I felt good pretty much the entire time. Um, I think that the precautions that we had in place uh, and everything has been second to none. I think that the Rays have done a fantastic job with it. All the credit there goes to Mike Sandoval. He is on top of things at all times. And so, you know, I think that um, uh, the protocols that we had and the enforcement of them have been second to none. And then the last one for me was you've made, obviously, a big jump from last year to this year. What did you learn last year, and where do you think the biggest change in your overall um, ability to pitch on the physical and mental side has, has allowed you to kind of make the jump? Yeah, I would say that um, having Snides tell me that all I really need to do is continue to throw the ball over the plate a lot. And when you boil it down to saying that you, what you do is good, now do it over the plate at a high rate. I think that that's honestly just the ability to throw strikes more often and get swings on stuff around the zone has been, you know, the biggest change for me. And that is Pete Fairbanks, and with a team-high 26 appearances, has certainly helped the Rays a great deal and deserving of top rookie honors on this club this year. Special thanks today to Pete and all of the guests on the program today, Kevin Kiermeyer, who was the Paul C. Smith Champion Award, as well as team MVP Brandon Lau, Arrestes Destrada of Fox Sports Sun, prospect Vidal Brujan, who's now in the playoff pool for the Rays, and also the head of minor league operations in Jeff McLaren. If you ever have something you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is is tweet me, at Neil Solons. Hey, don't miss your chance to receive a Tyler Glass Now audio bobblehead at select Morgan Auto locations in the Tampa Bay area starting Monday, September 28th. That's this coming Monday. Head to your local dealership and pick up yours. And for more information, all you have to do is visit raisebaseball.com slash bobblehead. Well, this is our last regular season this week in Race Baseball show. We will have podcasts throughout the postseason and the offseason. Special thanks to my producer today, Tom Ponzo, as well as Derek DuBose. I'm Neil Solon. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next on the Race Baseball Network.